Hello, good evening, and welcome to The Game Is About Glory. I'm your host, Steph, and joining me tonight are Ram, Ricky, and Milo. Hello, Hello chaps. Hey, Steph. Bloody hell, that was uh, an emphatically <laughs> cheerful, hey, Steph. And why wouldn't it be? Because this week we are focusing solely on our return to the Premiership. Oh, yeah, maybe that's why I was less than enthusiastic. Um, this week we are focusing solely on our return to the Premiership calendar in the past week. As we look back at the midweek loss to Southampton at the New Lane and pick apart today's Sunday afternoon loss to Wolverhampton Wanderers again at the New Lane. Well, I suppose that accounts for the mood, doesn't it, chaps? But we'll do our best to find little pockets of cheer where we can. We'll be talking through what is going wrong, have a thorough breakdown of our right-hand side, if breakdown is the appropriate phrase, and a further look into some of the um, more pressing issues of our fight for fourth, if pressing is the phrase. We'll be the only ones doing any pressing on behalf of Tottenham Hotspur this week, that's for sure. Uh, plus, we have the week that was, which includes the game is about Glory's mini-tribute to Moussa Dembele. So into the action we'll go. But first, as usual, we start with, well, it says our intro question, but credit where it's due. These are Milo's intro questions. Each week, he goes through his list feverishly to find the right one to put to us. And this week, he wants to know what match day superstitions do we have? So, Milo, I'm going to start with you answering your own question to yourself. None. And that's about the level of it. That is about, that is about, of course, of course you wouldn't do superstitions, would you? Good Lord, that's by me. There. Well, anyway, we should not be surprised by that. And a resoundingly exciting and scintillating start to this pod we have with Milo's rip-roaring answer to the question, which is none. Ricky, I have to come to you because I know that there's going to be a roadmap that goes with this. We're going to be able to visualize your superstitions, right? No, none. What a cracking question, Mr. Ricky. Fury me, the question is... <laughs> So were you hoping he was going to say puking on Peckham High Streets? And, uh... well, I was hoping he was going to say, well, I have to go through Pimlico no, to get to Peckham no. first, which is a weird thing, but it allows, me to, it allows me to see a puppy that I get. Exactly. Yeah. No, absolutely none, as a, absolutely none as a player and as a fan, really. Um, I suppose I have a ritual of going in the corner pin now, that seems, but that's a ritual, not a superstition. You know, there's no, there's no woo that's going to affect the result by going in the pub, is that? So, the pub. no, so none. <laughs> Come on, Ram, we're relying no on If there was a woo that was going to affect the result, we'd be on to it. Well, Ram, let's, uh, Ram, you're, you're arty-farty like I am. Let's get into it. Come on. <laughs> I think you two are going to have enough to make up for yeah. four of us. So I think if we average yeah, yeah, yeah. it, if we average it all out, I think we'll probably be okay. Yeah, go on, go on, Ram. Let's 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 get this going. <laughs> I haven't got any current superstitions, but I can give you a couple from the past. So um, when I when I uh, I'll lived take anything. The UK, Come on. <laughs> when I lived outside the UK, I used to have a thing about, and I, I lived in like Australia and New Zealand, so we were in the early hours and stuff like that. I was watching the games, but I never went on social media or responded to messages or anything like that because I thought it would cause such a seismic shift in the universal cosmos that it would cause us to lose if I was to go on social media or something like that. Um, and then the year we got to the Champions League final, I I started and it happened twice and therefore became fact. I was listening, or it just came up on my um, uh, my music like shuffle for some reason Adele's Bond theme tune Skyfall before every home game of the Champions League run to the final so before every home game I had to listen to Skyfall 
uh, by Adele, and I thought it all it all it all matched up because she's a massive Spurs fan. So, um, so yeah, that that was my superstitions. I haven't got any current ones, Steph. I'm really sorry to disappoint you on that front. Well, uh, yeah, I I've had loads actually, uh, of which I'm sure surprises all of you. From I went through periods in the nine uh, yeah the 80s and 90s of having to have, wear the same underwear, all that crap, you know, and all that. Um, I guess I'll, I guess the most recent one though has been my whiskey and spaniel routine, which I've talked mm. about on this pod before, and which is very successful. <laughs> and which I now have to actually make a confession about today's game against Wolverhampton Wanderers. And and I say this, I, I think life is all about taking responsibility for your actions or lack of. Um, and I'd like everyone to know that at the new lane today, there is someone who's prepared to take responsibility for their lack of action, and that's me, because I was leaning against the wall right before my entrance opened, and I looked up. And I saw a bomb-sniffing spaniel walking past me. And usually I would vault forward, accost the gentleman and say, may I pet your spaniel? Which is usually such a shocking thing for this person to hear that they sort of let you get on with it because they're not sure what you've really said. Is it a euphemism? What is it? But I watched this spaniel and I watched the guy and I just let it happen. And I said, you know, I've got to break these superstitions. I can't do it. And then I thought, well, I could have petted the spaniel and had a whiskey in the ground. And I didn't do either. So I wonder if it's my fault. Could be. Okay. Well, <laughs> could be. My reaction to that, Steph, when you told me, I think, spoke volumes. I was dejected and I thought, well, was this very is it disappointed yeah. at the ground today. By the way, it should be noted that, that Ram, Ricky, and myself were all uh, together today at the game with, uh, with, with, uh, with with Amar. I think we should have a special mention for the old um, the game is about glory lucky charm that's kind of supposedly in effect when the gang is together at a game. <laughs> and <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, well of course it was let it was let down by by one person who decided that he <sighs> couldn't make it today. It was obviously it's very obvious that he is the lucky charm. So actually the super match day superstition <laughs> we have now on is that he has to show up. Milo has to come to the game if we're all going to be there otherwise it's going to be uh, pants. It's going to be rubbish, right? So anyway a new super do you know what i i have i have been the lucky charm of a group of friends before where uh, i think i think i went a season where i didn't see us lose and it was getting to the point where friends were offering to buy me tickets because um which is which is great so if you want to believe that i was i was i was going to say steph i I want i was going to encourage you to come up with the stupidest uh superstition just for my own entertainment you had to wear clown shoes for the game or I don't know, stand, stand on your hands you know, 20 minutes before kickoff or something stupid like that just for my own amusement. But if you want to buy me tickets for games, <laughs> I'm quite happy with that. That's, that's even better than something just petty, petty just to amuse there myself. We are. There we are. You see, it all comes down to us. Uh, so as you can tell, none of us are very superstitious, but we're going to end this section by feeling that it's our fault that we lost today to Wolverhampton Wanderers. With that being said, it's time to look back at the week that was. Where else is there to start but with Alfie Whiteman? I mean, Alfie Whiteman is the name on everyone's uh, tip of everyone's tongue when they say the week that was that just went. So we're going to tell you. He has signed a contract extension until 30th of June 2023 and has rejoined Degafors on loan for the 2022 Swedish season. Alfie made 13 appearances for Degafors last year when he was on loan there and looks to have become a bit of a fan favourite. On Thursday, the club launched an online hub called the Why Word, with the uh, Y in Why capitalised, um, obviously to talk about the controversy around around the word itself. 
Um, the hub includes views from fans given in focus groups on the use of the Y word at games. The campaign will also include content in the match day programs, asking fans to reassess their use of the term and provide the historical context as to why it can cause offence. Um, it is worth taking the time to read the focus group sections on the site. And I'm sure that this is a conversation that will be coming up an awful lot more in, in the coming months. Was there a three billion bid for Spurs rejected this week? On Friday, Duncan Castles reported in the Daily Record that ENIC had indeed rejected a three billion well, three billion a three billion pound bid? Wow. There we go. I thought it was dollars, but pounds it is. Mm. Even more money we turned down. Bid to buy the club by LAMF Global Ventures, a Los Angeles based special purpose acquisition company. LAMF LAMF. We could have been owned by Lamp. Is understood to be seeking to purchase an elite football club this year. Or failing that Tottenham Hotspur. <laughs> <laughs> Talks are meant to have fallen down because of ENIC's reluctance to relist on the stock exchange. It's going to be a crispy review of these games, isn't it? Uh, Spurs have also <laughs> recently been linked with a Singaporean entrepreneur, Forrest Lee, who has been at a guest at games and has even stayed at the training ground. I, was say, I just want to know whether Forrest Lee can play right wing back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, it'd be a good name to sing, wouldn't it? That'd be a great, it's a, it's a good, right sort of name for singing. Why have our songs got so crap, by the way? Why does nobody sing a good song anymore? We've got Lee Forrest <laughs> Lee. Just, I just don't think you understand. understand. He only paid three bill. No, no. <laughs> anyway, yeah, it could work. we could do it. I like that. I like it. I like it. Yeah, good. I wonder if we, if we, if he hears this pod, maybe it'll attract him to the. Uh, you know, maybe you'll think, they'll sing my name. <laughs> the value of his um, companies has taken a bit of a yeah. nosedive since he it was uh, first looking <laughs> last year. So I don't think he can afford us now. Yeah, I think I, I did read summaries down to his last six billion, actually, something like that, right? I mean, I think it's something like no. that. But uh, yeah, imagine spending half of imagine spending half of your savings on Tottenham Hotspur. Which actually, in fairness, most mm. people do on a regular basis each week, which is why they're pissed off. <laughs> anyway, carrying on with our abstract the week that was, and I'm, I'm kind of enjoying this. We're kind of managing to have some fun with it. And again, I do think we should come back to the question at some point in the future pod. Why are our songs so crap right now? Um, anyway, Moussa Dembele has retired, or he's pre-announced his retirement last week. He will retire at the end of his current contract with, Gang- with Guangzhou City which expires next season. So hang on. He's retired, but he hasn't really retired. He's announced this, it's a pre-retirement. He's playing for another year. Okay. Well, here's my mini tribute to Musa. <laughs> you know, I, actually, I have no mini tribute. I'm not going to pay a tribute to a guy that's playing football for another year. I mean, you can't just turn around and start claiming retirement. I mean, what is that about? I'm not sure when their season ends. When does their season end? I don't know. I've never, I've, I mean, has you ever heard of a player no. announce their retirement a year before they're actually retiring? Does he want an extra cake? Is he looking for more adulation? What's he doing? It's like a James Brown encore, isn't it? James Brown encore. He's uh, <laughs> gone down on his knees and someone's come on with a cape and li- lifted him up. And, uh, it is uh, absolutely like a James Brown encore. How brilliantly well, yeah. I think he, he clarified it. So I think it was getting reported that he was retiring and then he said, went on Instagram and said, sorry guys, I'm playing for a bit longer. Mm. But he did say that he, the reason for it was he wanted to spend more time with his kids. So presumably he hasn't got his family out with him in China, mm. uh, which must be pretty tough. Mm. I love that. What, what, what other pod is going to give you Musa Dembele and James Brown? Week after week, we managed to pull the metaphors together that no, no other parts, no, no one else can reach those parts. The hardest working man in football business. <laughs> there you go. I like that. I like that. <laughs> and, you know, I suppose 
Let's just go into it. The week that was also included a midweek game against Southampton. <laughs> this is great. You're going to love this. Our first two questions. <laughs> what did you think of the lineup and what went wrong? Oh, my word. Talk about a question that could be an explosion of, of, of cul-de-sacs and discussions. We'll try and keep it tight. Milo, get us on course with this. Come on. I'd say, to be fair, Steph, we could just actually just scrap the rest of the questions and just have what went wrong for the rest of the pod. And that would come up <laughs> both, both games. And that, I'll that tell is you what, it. it's the same answers, yeah. <laughs> well, let's start with that question. And as you say, if it looks like we're at 20 minutes and we haven't already got past that question, we'll wind it up. But, but. But Milo, you start with those three little words, what went wrong against <laughs> Well, I think there are two things that went wrong. So if we talk about kind of the game um, in terms of managing the game, it was the problem that we've had for the last few years in that we struggle against teams that press us. And this game reminded me very much, or the first half of this game reminded me very much of the first half against Chelsea in our, of, in our first of our three games last month against them, when we were all at sea. They were, they were pressing us, we were panicked, and we really struggled uh, to deal with it. You know, and, and ultimately, that comes down to the fact that there's too many players in this team who aren't comfortable on the ball and aren't comfortable passing. Um, so we make panic passes and just bring, bring trouble on, onto us. So I think in terms of kind of managing the game, and particularly in the first half, that was, that was the issue. But ultimately, the reason we lost the game is that we switched off and we allowed Saints to score the same goal twice within two minutes. And we let one of the best crosses of the ball in European football put in pinpoint crosses and you know and give free uh, you know free shots in the area. I mean that's you know for all of the talk about kind of the tactics and what have you, we switched off and 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 fucked up. And yeah. that you know if it wasn't for that, we would have come away with at least a point. Yeah, and you know I I think I'm just going to leave the question wide open for each of you, uh, uh, Ricky and Rem. I just you know what went wrong. We'll get into specifics a little more, but what went wrong? I just think, like like Milo says about the press, we have struggled with the press. And I think I can even remember back to when we had Rolls-Royce defenders of Vertonghen and Alderweireld. I mean, I remember games at Wembley against Monaco, even against Ghent, where we've struggled to play through mm-hmm. that. And I'm not quite sure where it, why it is. I mean, some of it sometimes was to do with when we pass back to Lloris, he's not comfortable with the ball as well. It can even start mm-hmm. there. But I think all teams struggle with the press, and I think it's it's difficult for any team, especially if you're facing a team that seems to be at peak fitness to perform that press and seem very comfortable with their manager's instructions. And Southampton fair play to them brought the game to us. They really did. And we had our obviously our counter-attacking options, but that seemed to diminish as the game went on, um, where they were just in control of the game. And it's... It's a bit galling watching another team be able to play like that, and we seem to struggle to sort of emulate that in any way at all. Ourselves. Yeah, I, I agree with both both you guys. I think you know um, one thing for me is um, die being out makes me think that the, some of the goals we've conceded, we looked absolutely rudderless and all at sea. Um, I think Skip we're missing because I think he does a lot of sweeping up. Um, uh, like in and around our own penalty box um, and then give the opportunity for the other midfielders or other players to then push forward. But ultimately, I mean, the game against Southampton uh, and, you know, and we'll, touch, we'll chat about the Wolves game as well. Ultimately, we're playing against teams that have, that are confident in the system that they're playing in um, and and know know what they're doing and don't, don't we just see more, let's see. Um, and actually, um, 
Ricky, I will say something. You said, you know, all teams struggle with the press. I'm, I'm skipping forward, but Wolves didn't struggle with any of our pressing today. <laughs> they played out really nicely from here. Yeah, I would say just picking up on that, I think the thing with Skip, what he brings is he sets the tempo, doesn't he? So both these games this week, we've, we've started a bit slow and we've brought pressure on ourselves. And what Skip does is he, he ups the tempo. And I agree entirely with you on Dyer. Dyer organizes the defense. He's far more natural in that, in that central position, uh, than, uh, Romero is, I think, for the second Saints goal, uh, Romero had pushed up a bit, so there was a gap behind him, and then Sanchez had come across, and then uh, uh, Royal had come across, and everyone was out of position because of that. And that's, you know, that's um, that's Romero's natural instinct, but it, it's not well suited to that to that position. And ob- obviously, if you've got Dyer in there, then you've got Romero on the, on the right hand side, which means that the issues with the press become less because he's far better on the ball and he's going to help mm. us, um, you know, kind of play out a defence, which is just a real issue throughout the game. Yeah, I mean, I think that this pod has articulated repeatedly the importance of Eric Dyer to to this football team at this moment in time, and and it, he's you know he brings leadership. He's not afraid. He's not scared, and he also can read the game extremely well. Uh, from that central position and we've missed those qualities I'm going to throw something else at, at, at the three of you I'd like to move to the fact that we clawed the game back to 2-1 and there was an outpouring of emotion both in the stadium and on the pitch um, you know everyone was ecstatic uh, Antonio was going mad uh, and then he got mad got into a little bit of a tiff with Southampton over something an injury so on and so forth and it all got a bit heated and emotional and then from that point on we've lost our focus you know we've lost focus we've been unable to execute what should have been a simple playing out of the game what I'd like to ask you is do you think that he has to take some responsibility for the defeat and hear me out I love him I love the passion he's got and I love the passion he brings but is our team so emotionally immature in a sense that they're so keyed to everything he does that they need him at that point to be steady and not to be fizzy and I mean does he need to check himself a little bit and think well I've got to keep these guys focused a hundred percent I mean I, you know is it is it is this an issue does he need to recognize that maybe I need to turn it down a little bit because they react so much off me that you know we can't all be getting crazy I, I, or am I reading too much into that I mean in in the Post-match uh, press conference, he suggested that the team was too emotional. They were too up and down, um, and I think I think that's probably fair. I mean, we don't no. we're not particularly resilient, are we? I think yep. in terms of that incident, I think I think Southampton were pretty clever with that. Um, I think they used the injury um, or you know that challenge from Royal um, in the build-up to our second goal. I think they created just a distraction and uh, to try and knock our momentum I think it was smart kind of game management and I think Conte was losing his shit because they were because he that's what he thought they were doing so I think you know if, if we we had a bit of a bounce off, off off that goal if you waste time and you wind down the clock and you start petty arguments then you knock that rhythm you knock the momentum so I just think it's just smart game management by uh, Southampton but what I'm asking is and 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 you know uh you know, maybe uh, you got, you know, you guys have something to say about that. Is you know, at that moment, recognizing that and being the experienced man he is, does Antonio have a responsibility to actually double down on uh, or double away, sorry, 
from what he usually would do, get involved, and absolutely not get involved, pass the word onto the pitch and say, ignore this, stay calm, stay focused, this is a, this is a ploy, let's be professional. I, th- I hear what you're saying, Stefan. I think it, when, uh, when we were at the game earlier and I said to you, there's almost this feeling of Uncle Antonio will make everything better. Um, and then when things don't go according to plan, but we, again, it's that rudderless feeling of like, oh, but we thought this was going to all be fine. And, you know, Uncle Antonio would come in and make everything better. And, you know, um, so I agree with you on that part. Absolutely. I do feel this is again where we lack leadership on the pitch as well, because we should have leaders on the pitch when that's all kicking off and stuff. If irrespective of what, um, Conte's doing, just saying to the other players, stand back, lads, just let this play out, you know, or, um, or, or the captain, you know, like, or, or yes. whoever uh, is on the pitch that has that those leadership qualities to come in and just just sort it out and just go pick people apart and yeah. I also would say um, Southampton. We, we also you know shouldn't underestimate that Southampton were, were really resilient and they came back at us and you know and we didn't have an answer to that. So um, you know we should give credit where it's due there as well. I think Conte's. I mean, I'm not sure whether you can put Conte's some of his behaviour down to the cliched Latin temperament. He just liked to sort of blow up about all kinds of things. But, I mean, most teams are reflective. You know, they're in the image of their manager. And whether that means it kind of unsettles us or we go a bit haywire rather than be kind of chilled and kind of calm and controlled. But, I mean, controlled is one thing we're not. We don't seem to control many aspects of the game. It's kind of, you know, the game comes as it comes in a way. Um, and of course, we are then, as Ram says, against an organised team. As you know, Southampton are very organised. They are in their image of what Hustle uh, Hustle, what's his name, <laughs> um, has made them. So, um, yeah, resilience is something that we do need to up. I think the Southampton Hassan Hoodle Hustle. That's what you're talking about right there. And I, yeah, they are, and he is actually. He's a very good. He's a good. He's a good manager. He's quite underrated, Hassan Hoodle. I mean, he's mm-hmm. doing a very good job there and continues to, to, to do so. And he has at his disposal probably the finest set-piece deliverer uh, in the Premiership, I think it's oh. fair to say. Um, a dead ball specialist in James Ward-Prowse. Uh, of course, there are rumours uh, floating around that there was a moment in time in the summer where he was lined up to come to us. Uh, for whatever reason, the deal wasn't closed. Uh, maybe it wasn't real, but the rumours seemed pretty strong. So let's pretend it was. Would you like to to have had him at Spurs? Would you like to have him at Spurs? After the game, um, the Southampton game, I turned around to another of my Spurs sporting mates and I said, um, we we need to buy James Ward-Prowse because he always, he always turns up against us. And I would say over the seasons, and I'm basing this not on any data, but over the season, it feels like he costs us three or four points a season. Um, either by getting the equalising goal or, or in, on that day getting a couple of assists. But yeah, I'd have him. I'd have him just so, you know, we get those three or four points back each season. <laughs> I'd have him to get Kane off free kicks, I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the the club he was closest to joining the summer was Villa, I think. And the, fee, the fees being talked about were quite, were quite high for him. So I don't think he was ever likely to be joining us. He's exceptional at crossing. He's exceptional at set pieces um i think his all-round game outside of that i don't i think he's okay he's not great so i I would say no but he's very very good at what he's very good at would you um another question would you have would you at this point would rather have taken him than his southampton midfield partner that we did end up with (laughs) um well on on current form he'd be a better bet than hoybier wouldn't he um but i think 
I think Hoybier had a really positive impact when he first came in. I'm not sure Ward, Ward Prowse would have had quite True. the same thing. So yeah. I, I think at the at the time it was the right deal. Um, right now, out of the two of them, yeah, Ward Prowse is in better form. But I don't think the type of money you're talking about, uh, yeah, he's gonna he's gonna be north of thirty million, I think. And I think there's better value out there in the market. It's a hard translation for me to make because they are two such different players and they, they, they do such different things, really. So, uh, I, you know, I, I would love to see anyone of his technical ability in a Spurs shirt because I think we're a club that, you know, has always had, you know, technical players that deliver, you know, exciting moments. I mean, that, you know, our history is littered with these players. And, uh, you know, but I think at the time we needed a Hoybeard you know, a driver of that nature. And, you know, look, I still hold out hope that he can um, find his form again. I think he's played so much football. Mm-hmm. I just feel he's been, he's played himself into the ground. And, uh, you know, so I'm still not completely prepared. And I'm not saying, by the way, yeah. that you're suggesting oh, we no. should give up on him. I understood the question was, was an interesting one. But but I do think, you know, I'm hoping that he can find himself. I, I, look, there's so many issues and questions that I think can fold into the Wolves game as well. That I'm going to try, I'm just going to go for one more uh, uh, on on Southampton before we move to uh, to Wolves, and that is you know the collective switch off which we had. Do you think it was a one off, or does it worry you as a potential uh, issue that is going to repeatedly come up? And 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 just to really frame that question, the switch off from a winning position, the the, the brain farting, the the complete lack of ability to close out from a winning situation. Is this is this a one-off or should we be concerned? Is it a warning? I would have said with how the game gone, we were just we were basically just bested by mm. Southampton. I thought they were so organised and so relentless that they always had a chance to get back in the game. So I would say it was a one-off, but I might not be saying that now after going today. So, yeah, I have more worries have been com- uh, compounded with today's performance, but we'll get on to that. I, I don't know even if it's... Uh, I, I agree with you, Ricky. I think it was more a case of Southampton's... I, I think we, we we maybe should, yeah, credit Southampton a bit more with, with you know, with, with with coming back. Wow. Wow. I'm really... This is interesting. This is interesting. I'm surprised. Yeah, yeah, Milo. Go, yeah. yeah, I mean, it was... Um, I mean, Ward Prowse was almost set up like a... Like for a goal kick in 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 rugby, with um, I think the first one was Walker Peters passed it back to him, and he just has acres of space. And it was um, uh, Benton Kerr who should have closed him down for the first one. For the second one, it was Sun who was clo- um, for the second goal. The the play the move started on the left hand side, and they switched it and then knocked it back for War Prowse to put in a pretty much identical ball to the for the second goal. So your question, Steph, was, is it unique? No, it's not unique. I think our switching off has been uh, a problem for a while. Um, we touched on earlier on about the uh, the issue with leadership. And I think, you know, you were saying in the background about Dyer when, you know, I think someone else was was talking. I think you're absolutely right there. Um, if you look through the team, most of our, you know, there aren't too many vocal leaders there. I'm, I'm not a huge fan of kind of chest thumping and that kind of stuff, but... I think we could do with a few more organisers. And I think particularly when you look at the players who are on the pitch at that point, there weren't many at all. Um, and, you know, it's certainly in terms of outfield players, yeah, there aren't many there. And, and you know, there are a lot of new players on the pitch as well. So I, I think that's probably an issue and something that we probably need to address. And kind of beyond Dyer and possibly Hoybier, um, do we have any kind of 
Antonio's on the pitch and you know, quite often you want a captain in the image of your manager um, and I can't see any of those really. I was going to say, I do agree to that to a point, but I think Antonio's game is meant to be so strong that he organises everything that you should almost be slightly robust. And I know we're in pro, I know we're in the process of Antonio, in, you know, um, integrating his ways and his systems onto us. Which that's still a process that's ongoing, but I just think that it's almost as though the need for leaders shouldn't be as great under Antonio's team. I, I mean, it's interesting, uh, Milo, that you mentioned uh, Benton Core was the man who should have closed down War Prowse, you know, for the for their second goal, which I agree with. But equally, I'm I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, hang on, you've just put this guy on the pitch. He's new to the club. Should someone not have mentioned to him, by the way, that bloke over there? Don't let him have any time on the ball. And you remember when you played school football and your your coach would say, when you run off the pitch. Tell the person who's coming on what you're doing and what your responsibility is. I mean, I'm not saying that, you know, Pierre has, you know, an obligation to say to Bendencourt, Psst, by the way, him. But if Hoiberg was on the pitch, which, by the way, I agreed with the substitution at the time, but you look back and you think, well, if he's on the pitch, that would he'd never give him that space. So who, someone should, someone's got to tell him. You say that though, Steph. Hoiberg lost his man for the first goal. He was slow to react. I'm not giving, I'm not giving Hoiberg a pass at all. I think you've missed the point of what I'm saying. I mean, I'm not giving a pass. I'm saying that when you send a new a player onto the pitch who's new to the league, do you not tell them who the danger person is? Close him down. He's in your yeah, range. They so, may well have done. I mean, some didn't close him down for the second one. But all I'm saying is Hoybier was also you know, partially at, at fault for the, you know, the first goal and he was slow to close his man down and switched off a bit. I mean, we're going to talk... We'll probably end up spending the kind of the next half an hour talking about individual mistakes. But there were a lot in this game as well. You know, if you, th- if, if you think about, you know, the first goal with kind of Davis's... Uh, kind of spooned clearance with his wrong foot. Well, he completely whiffed it at first, didn't he? <laughs> yeah. You know, the second goal with um, Sanchez and, and Royale in the wrong, you know, and, and uh, Romero in the wrong position and kind of the weird kind of wafting his leg in front of, um, yeah. uh, you know, that the, uh, Royale, Royale did. And then again, you know, the third one, again, just poor positioning. I just, I think, um, I think we we've really paid the price for, Individual mistakes with the goals we've scored this week, or it's sorry, goals, goals we've conceded, conceded this week. Conceded, it, no, it's very interesting. And as we fold out of the three-two defeat at home uh, to Southampton and into the two-nil um, defeat at home to Wolverhampton Wanderers earlier today, I mean that is the overriding thing we have to establish and say that you know when you look at the goals we conceded, at least four of those goals are gifts. They're absolute gifts. We've given four goals away and we have, over the two games, missed some inc- what you would consider to be really basic chances. You know, I mean, I know I'm trying to get into the Southampton... Uh, sorry, I know I'm trying to get into the Wolverhampton Wanderers game, but one quick note back uh, to Wednesday. I mean, you know, is it a different game if Reggie puts his chance away early? So, I, I mean, we're, we're, it, it's, it's fascinating because we are making chances. We're missing sitters in these two games and, and you know... No, I was just going to say you're right. We are at least we are creating, and usually we can rely on our front men to take those chances. It doesn't seem to be happening, but I think I mean Southampton had quite a few chances as well. We should probably say on the Southampton game that actually I think we kind of just shaded it on on XG, didn't we? I think it was one point seven four to one point seven three. You know, we 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 did have some good chances. You know, as bad as we were, and as um, you know, poor in possession and. You know, we haven't even touched on all the problems we had down the right-hand side. 
No, because we can also get into that today. Yeah. <laughs> we can double up. But yeah, you're right. I mean, it's it's it, a consistent... It, it's the, a consistent the right-hand issue. side is where attacking moves go to die. It's like the football Bermuda Triangle. <laughs> do you think? Do you think? Do you think that both Wolves and Southampton had a tactical meeting that lasted any longer than 20 minutes to discuss playing us? Or do you think they just said, attack them down their right? <laughs> I mean, you know. <laughs> Certainly, down the down the Saints game, they were encouraging us to play down the right, and that's where most of our moves were coming from. So they they and uh, but then they overloaded that side. So as soon as we we got the ball out that side, they're, we're over they're overloading it. And you've got in Sanchez, Royale, and Mora, you've got three you three know, of the best technical footballers you're ever going to see. Three players who've got a heavy heavy first <laughs> heavy, heavy first touch, not particularly good passers and you know play ourselves into trouble so so many times the ball came there sanchez would play a heavy pass or a clumsy pass after a bad first touch it would go to royal it would come back in we'd play ourselves into trouble saints would get the ball back and attack us and it was just that after that after that all the way through the first half and you know more is no better at that and yeah it's just a real problem clumsy clumsy i love hearing that word it's so apt and just a little mention i think for reggie on the left there really because i mean i like i do like reg he's like a little scampering rabbit up and down that wing but um i think the rabbit analogy also <laughs> is slightly caught in the headlights when it comes to like um shooting or having chances and oh. i think i said you lot today i think he has to he has to worry because I think Cess, my hunch would be Cess would be better in those kind of situations, which unfortunately kind of leads on to today's game as well. Mm. And Cess didn't really, you know, he got half hour. So Reggie Rabbit caught in the headlights. Cess comes in. I think Reggie needs a goal. <laughs> he, he looks nervous. He looks like he's overthinking it. Yeah. We all need we all need a goal, but your point is taken. Yeah. It's almost like what happened with Bale, where he couldn't every time he stepped on the pitch again. It's like he's getting that sort of thing in his head where he's like. Due, uh, due to uh, our kind of restricted creativity from midfield, we could do with one of the wings actually becoming kind of, you know, contribute to a wing back. Yeah. <laughs> otherwise, wing back. yeah. Otherwise, we're like we're left with the forwards, aren't we? <laughs> yeah. But this comes back. This comes back to something we talked about on this pod a few times, and uh, we hammered it fairly recently. Which is, as a support base, we have to forget about creative midfield yeah, exactly. play because yeah. this system is set up mm. to get everything from the wing backs. Mm. And, and and the biggest issue with both of these games, and I am going to shift us to Wolves. So at this point on, let's put a moratorium on Southampton and go to the uh, the morgue of the Wolves game. Um, you know, I mean, wing backs aren't really any good or aren't up to it on the day or on any day then you're gonna have problems I mean having said that we are still creating opportunities but that's because we've got two great forwards I don't know I don't know where I do know that we started quite aggressively today there was that early early push down the right Mora's got Mm. behind the defense he's put a ball in that I don't think anybody thought he was going to put in and nobody's managed to get there but you're thinking well they're up for it yeah we're up for it we're doing it you know we're going for it and then you know Ram Give us the view of what happened in the sixth minute. Bring us to the sixth minute of the game, from and and describe your your perspective. Where were you? Give us the exactly where you were. I normally my, my season tickets in the south stand, but um, I sat with uh, Amar today. We both went um, into the east stand, um, the, the shelf side uh, by the south stand. So we we had a good view uh, of us shooting down that way in the first half, and and I agree with you that first chance from Moore or that first run at least. I, I always think with us, you can tell within the first thirty seconds how we're gonna do, 
as you know with Spurs and so so but by that metric I thought okay yeah we're up for it this this looks good this is a good start to the game but then I mean that that first goal that <laughs> I mean Larice Larice to be fair he did put his hand up after it went in and he was like that one's on me lads but um but three times, three he didn't times. Do much the, with his hands of any note before <laughs> it, did he? Sorry, well, well, sorry, the thing Hugo. Is, <laughs> three times the ball came at him. The second one, which I think was the pivotal sort of one that he pushed out, it was easier for him to just put his hands up and let the ball nestle into them very safely. But he inexplicably punched it out again into the danger area, uh, and then and that's where um, that's, that's what they scored. Yeah, with yeah. no power, no no kind of. No, no kind of positivity or anything. It was like it was like he was panicking or he was overthinking it. Or well, I wonder. Or I, I mean, was... in fairness, in, in, in fairness, I wonder why he was panicking when he looked ahead of him and saw who he's defending. Well, this, yeah, defending, this is thought, it. Like, Fucking hell! I just what I just I to get do? this away. Like, yeah, that, but you're right. Just get this away. There was a sense of like ah, I don't trust. Nobody mm. trusts anyone back there, do they? No. No, there's right? there's no there's there's no fluidity between them. There's no, you know, the, the best those top four defenders, uh, uh, top four defenses, you know, the, where we want to be. There, there's like a, a sixth sense around them, you know, or, or at least like they're they're just very aware. They're critically aware of what each other's doing, um, and that and that goes for all phases of the pitch, you know, defense, midfield, and up front, and then they work together as a team, and and that's how the best teams operate. And we just don't. No one seems to know what the other's doing. And I think, I mean, as we flagged in the Saints game, uh, the individual errors are starting to creep in and they spilled over into today's game as well. And that's just not going to manifest confidence. You know, that's the kind of negative spiral we'll end up in. And I, I thought we'd, you know, individual errors haven't really been that much of an issue like recently before. I think we've looked quite good, but it's a worry when then they do start rearing their head again because it's not a good mm. sign, I don't think. I've come to the conclusion this week that Spurs might be proof that we live in a computer simulation. I hope this so. isn't real life. <laughs> I, I think, um, well, yeah, so I, I don't know whether you take comfort from this. So, I mean, basically, I mean, as anyone who's worked on kind of digital projects uh, or, you know, IT projects will know that uh, developers can be a bit sloppy and they'll reuse code and what have you. And I think what they've done... I don't know if, Steph, you're probably familiar with this, like the kind of the basic concept of a sitcom is that everyone's trapped and at the end of the episode you end, end up back where you started. And I think what's happened is that the, the code on, the coder on the, on the simulation has just reused a bit of code from a sitcom somewhere and that's what's happened. We're just, we're just, yeah. we're all trapped and we're stuck, we're stuck in this uh, loop. It's so funny because you actually you say that it's so funny. I actually said uh, to to Johnny today, who I was sitting next to, I said to him, I said, you know what? I said, I if mm. we don't somehow crawl across the line here, we are going to be back to two thousand two, two thousand three. So it's really funny you mentioned that. That it, it does feel like a my word. We are we're getting a little miserable, even though we're smiling. Um, I, you know, all right, we've gone into the first goal. Let's talk a little bit about the changes that we thought would prevent a goal after six. <laughs> The good news is that if this is a simulation, you can just go out and do what the fuck you want tomorrow because it doesn't matter. It's just, you know, this is this doesn't matter. That's brilliant. I like this. Existentialism on the game is about glory. <laughs> that should be the name of our pod from now on. The existential game is about glory. The existential game is about glory. That's what I like. The existential game is about glory, right? I like it. <laughs> And and it does and it does fit in with your theory on Mora that Steph that you've been having for the last year. So <laughs> <laughs> PS5. 
there's there's some there's some there's some frustrated seven year old controlling him. <laughs> I love it. You know, maybe this is what. Maybe this Just is what's happening. Skill moves. Wow. I, this is brilliant. I, I feel a bit better already because there's a, you know, we, let's face it. We're all struggling for a reason. Why were we so shit this week? We're struggling for it. We're trying to find it. And now you've given us the answer. We've been controlled by angry seven-year-olds with bunk code. There's, there's a glitch in the matrix. The diet at the right pill. So he managed to escape, yeah. but like now he's gone. It's all come back. Oh is, is this like, um, is this like Spurs world then rather than Westworld? <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I love it. Two angry, two, two seven-year-olds playing with broken code. That is what this week has been. I love it. I love it. Wow. I, I mean, I almost wonder if we shouldn't just end right there. What's the point of analysing anything? We've we've analysed it already. But we must. We, but we must plough on. Brilliant. Brilliant. We must plough on, folks. I hope you enjoyed that because that might be the deep dark truth but now we're going to just roll back into the the conscious world here and away from existentialism okay let's go to something boring uh that like the three changes we did make uh for today's game that we thought would make the difference it doesn't um, matter it's not real <laughs> <laughs> oh dear there's, Take there's the, red the title pill. of the pod it doesn't matter it's not real <laughs> <laughs> oh, can you imagine if like after a team concedes and like Hoybier just starts shouting at the others don't worry yeah, it's yeah. not real you see there's this angry there's this angry what the child fuck and he's controlling us and making us do whatever he wants us to do so don't worry about it it's okay we will escape in the end that was this week's impersonation never mind. that was Pierre-Emile Hoybier brought to you brought to you by Steph <laughs> Wow. <laughs> Ryan Sessegnon, it doesn't matter. It wasn't real. I mean, unfortunately for him, it was very real today because he was on the pitch for le- for half an hour before he got the big hook. And as warm as the applause was for him as he circled the pitch, looking very much like the seven-year-old who is controlling all of this anyway and has had his controller taken away from him, much as he looked mm. like that kid, it was a sad moment because he had really not had a good start to the game, but he was a sacrificial lamb. Antonio did the right thing, put his arm around him, but chipping guys, um, you got to feel sorry for him. Um, but you know, let's look at how he did play. Was it the right change? Was he the right sacrificial lamb? Was it appropriate? Um, I mean, I, I don't think he was taken off because of his performance. I think he was taken off because Davis can play oh. left back and it was just, you know the change to make the um yeah change in formation and and I don't think that was any more sophisticated than trying to get another attacker on and and see if we could claw something back I think it was that was it really um I really felt for him it's his first game you know his first start for a few weeks um I think before today I think he's looked pretty decent under Conte and we were beginning to see you know there might be a a wing back there you know, I think like the rest of the team, he looked a bit nervy today, but he's 21 and and the team were dog shit. I think it's, um, it's, diff- it's difficult, I think. <laughs> Nicely put, Milo. <laughs> um, I think it's, it's, it's hard on him. I think both Doherty, I don't know where it's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, well and truly trod in it, yeah, today. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know if they, they, I mean, Doherty and Sess came in. I don't know if that was rotation just for the sake of giving the other two a rest or whether it's because 
everyone's still kind of banging on about um, Royale not being good enough in an attacking sense. And maybe, like I said earlier, maybe he wanted to give Sessa go to see if he's better at the finishing end of attacking. But that was all pretty much pulled apart within 25 minutes because Sess got the hook, as we say. And I just think it was harsh on Sess. And also, I think it just it switched the team so much because Doherty then ended up from becoming, oh, have a go at wing-back attacking-wise. So now you're right-back for the rest of the game. Uh, Davis gets put at left-back when really he's excelled as left centre-back. Yeah. And I'm not sure. <laughs> I, I mean, and I think we could have just gone three five two by taking Mora off if he, if if um, Conte had the balls to take him off instead. Even old St Jude here has to finally admit that you know old Matt was he wasn't <laughs> going to be pulling up trees today, was he? He didn't start by even looking like he could pull up a, a, a patch of grass, uh, and he certainly didn't end with anything that encouraged you, you know, to think that he might be able to do well. Admittedly, I still feel he has yet to enjoy any sort of consistent run in a 3-5-2, which is his position. Having said that, he was murder, murder, if I may employ a French word. He wasn't, he was that today. And so I have to, you know, sorry, even St. Jude has only got so much patience. I mean, it just, you know, he was terrible today and he was on the front of the programme and, uh, you know, I, I, I had uh, taken a little joy in sending Milo a photo of him and I had visions of him being the difference maker. And of course, you know, Milo in his, in his way knew that he wasn't going to be and knew that I am the patron saint of lost causes just because. And so it played out. But my word, it just didn't work at all, did it? I mean, it was, didn't work at all. Uh, the only thing he might have done is given Royale a rest. I did think initially when, when the change was made, it did feel a bit busier in and around the Wolves box like I felt like you know we had a bit more we had some more options coming uh, coming up front um with Kudu coming on so there was a slight a slightly positive change there um but it just wasn't consistent enough um you know to to kind of with to hold that and I do I think you know when when a manager's having to change a formation and and do a and make a sub like 25 minutes into a game like I, I appreciate what Conte was doing and this isn't, you know, got anything going against him, but it does send out a kind of message to the opposition as well, which it's almost like saying, yeah, you've done, you're doing us here. You've done us. We're going to have to just change everything. Um, and I think where maybe, maybe I'm thinking too above my station, you know, and, and for us as a club, but it I, doesn't matter. It does, it's not it real. So enjoy yourself. <laughs> <laughs> but I kind of, you know, I did kind of think to myself at that point, and this is again, not nothing against Conti, but I, I, I did think to myself at that point, I was like, what would Potter have done in this scenario? Like, would he have made that change after 20 minutes or 25 minutes, you know, like change formation, taking the player off. And I'm not trying to say we probably <laughs> need Potter over Conti, but it's just so rare for other teams to do it. And we've done it, you know, we've, we've done it under uh, Jose, we've done it under Conti. I don't know. Conte's, Conte's been wedded to three at the back. So I think we should just stick to that, whether it's in the 4-3-4 or 3-5-2. And it makes me wonder as well that he brings mm. Kulu in to play that extra man in midfield. And we've then gone for four at the back with that. And it makes you wonder, is that something we've been doing on the training ground at all? I don't think so. I think I think it was just chuck on another, you know, chuck on another body. That doesn't sound very. That doesn't sound very well class managerial. Speak to me, though, <laughs> <No>, Milo. <laughs> Ferguson would quite often just chuck on another forward if they were chasing a game. It's not, um, you know, it's quite a common a- approach. Um, I mean, I-, I think what this week has probably shown is that we really struggle in a back three without Dyer. Yeah. Um, so, like last weekend when we were talking about Brighton, I think I was 
bit misplaced in my optimism about uh you know about how we how we were i think sanchez confidence looks rock bottom at the moment and he looks like he's questioning himself and he needs to get out of the team for his own sake at the moment um and i think if we put if romero's back at right center back and dies in the middle then i think immediately a lot of the problems we've had this week are resolved in that we can you know our right hand side is better we can play out we've got a couple of defenders who can pass so in fact actually all three would be you know reasonably decent on the ball i think some of the brain farts would um wouldn't be there and we've got an organizer in the team so i think immediately that starts looking better um i think you know you you asked the question about doherty today i don't think he was particularly good in the first 20 minutes when he was at right wing back um he's again understandably his confidence looks very low he doubts himself and you know whenever he gets the ball he passes inside and backwards so play breaks down and uh, yeah royal isn't at playing royal isn't playing the best at the moment but i think his athleticism um is more of an asset so uh, yeah out of the out of choice out of the two i think he's probably the better bet what i would have been interested to do you know you were talking about the potential change there. I would have been I would have been tempted to take off Doherty and play and move Mora to right wing back um, and brought on Kulu just because we you know he would help carry the ball and we were chasing the game at that point. So you know let's yeah. go all in on it and just see whether it works. I think like if 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 it had worked and we'd won three two for example, we'd all be hailing Conti as a world class genius and going, This is exactly what we should have done, you know, which is haul off a player after twenty five minutes wow. and change of formation. So I guess it's like, you know, if it had worked it would, we wouldn't even be questioning it. We're questioning it because it because we didn't win, basically. We didn't get pulled pull the game back. I think one of the huge issues I see is that we are ponderous on the ball. We're not yeah. playing football. We're not playing our football quickly enough. We're not playing it sharp enough. We're taking an extra touch where we shouldn't really need to. We should be crisper and quicker and faster. And that is costing us big time. Yeah. And I say, Benton Kerr is probably the only player today who didn't, who wasn't like that mm. in that he was playing crisp, direct forward passes, um, a couple of which we probably should have got something off. I felt that Winks, who's obviously a target today for a lot of, for, and is a continual target, I think, for a section of the mm. supporters. I felt that he was unlucky today because I felt that he tried to, you know, he tried to spark things. I mean, uh, you know, and, and actually, mm. in fairness, he at least was trying to spark things from less dangerous positions than he usually does when he gets caught. Um, but, you know, the bottom line is he was the one player who seemed to want to try and take it to the heart of their defence and, and, and try and, you know, really get, you know, move the ball for 10, 15 aggressive yards forward through the middle. Didn't really succeed, but I'm wondering why nobody else is trying. Steph, is it, this is probably a good point to talk about the Boo Boys, actually, because we saw it against Southampton where they were booed off at half time. And mm. there were audible groans when we were passing back, which, you know, under Conte is something we're going to do. That is part of his game plan. And then again, um, there were boos today. You know, you talked about the the fans getting on. Winks is back. And my understanding is that Royale's celebration against the deflected goal against Brighton, where he charged towards the bench, was because he was getting grief from section of fans around there. So we've we've got... You know, fans getting on the back of the team, getting on the back of the players, getting on the back of tactics. And, you know, if you look at Conte's kind of comments in the post-match press conference today, where 
so you know he said our fans need to understand that you need to have patience to build a, a build again a situation uh, that they were used to in the past we're working very hard with the players there's great commitment but it's not enough if you want to be competitive you have to build and he also said if you remember when i speak about to improve many aspects it's not only today after two defeats in a row at home i continue to tell you the situation it, there is a long path in front of us long and booing players and tactics is not helping that. We're shooting ourselves in the foot. We talk about kind of uh, the mentality of our players or you know, mental strength. The fans need to have mental strength as well. So I was thinking about that as well, and well put, Milo. But um, you know, we've we've already talked about player, you know, our ponderous play, players overthinking in this pod and things like that. And I wondered, you know, how much of that at home, at least, is. Is, you know, and I feel it sometimes with the players, how much of that is down to sort of feeling the pressure of, of fan reaction and stuff like that. And I understand the argument mm-hmm. that a lot of people would come back with that, which is, well, they get paid 200, 200 grand a week. They're elite sportsmen. They should be able to handle like, you know, someone yeah. booing them. They're but young men. They're also, a lot of them are, are youngsters or, or, or young men, you know. Yeah. Um, but my question to, my, my question to you guys just on that though is, uh, do we as a fan base give our fans a harder time than other fans do or is this something that is just endemic with with any sort of football club that there's always going to be a section of fans that will get really get on the backs of their players I sadly think there's a it's culturally endemic in life that people are very quick yeah. to complain right now more than ever because the thanks to the proliferation of social media negative people get more attention than positive people and everyone feels entitled to express themselves every 5 fucking seconds so you've got idiots screaming at players every 5 seconds I mean how is that how you know it goes back before social media though Steph you think about Jenis mm. you know how there's a groan every time he was on the ball or you know yells about you know play it forward and you know it this isn't i don't think this is a social media issue i i I don't know about other clubs because i don't watch other clubs as much as us yeah i just wanted to clarify i'm not saying that social media has created the the problem i think it's amplified the mindset of the moaners and i think suddenly there's more of them have become empowered it seems that you know it's everyone seems far more trigger happy to express their opinion about everyone you know, it, I mean, I, football, you're absolutely right, My Football's always had its boo boys. Uh, there's always been players who have been picked on from the start. And, you know, uh, it's uh, often a very unfair. I mean, Samways used to get it. I mean, you can go back and back. I mean, you know, Neil McNabb, even Ian Moore's got it. I mean, you know, so, uh, but it does seem uh, particularly vicious these days and very unhelpful. And so, uh, do, we, do we? I was going to say, you can't, it, mu- it must make a difference. It must make a difference. You can't eat that all week and it not affect what comes out of your mouth and your reactions. They eat that all week. Everyone is just constantly eating that shit yeah. all week. Yeah. I'd say, show me, show me one person who do their job better with a load of people stood behind them telling them they're shit and they're a cunt. Yeah. I mean, I was, spe- I was specifically about Winks. He really does. I mean, I do feel sorry for him from the point of view. He does always feel like he's in the last chance saloon with the fans. He's never out of that last chance saloon. They just can't wait it's to like destroy him if he does a mistake. Yeah, I mean, we were having... I mean, I'm not a yeller. I don't yell at players during games. I never have. I, I mean, what I will yell is encouragement or I'll just be quiet, which is probably not that much better. But nonetheless, but what I did do earlier today was I did, uh, you know, with uh, Johnny, I was saying to him, you know, which one of these is, do you think in the last 10 minutes, who looks like they're already thinking of the hot bath out there? Who do you, is, do you think, you know, let's see if we can name them. And, you know... I watch Harry Winks charging around and I'm like, you know, nobody can criticise Harry Winks' effort for Tottenham Hotspur Football Club 
I mean, you might criticise performance if you want. That's fine. That's personal. But his effort is 100%. I mean, it is, you know. And when you strip it back, most of them are trying very hard. Mm. And you actually, if you become, you know, a little bit more holistic about it and a little less entitled, you could almost feel sorry for them and then suddenly take on, as you're all saying, the fact this is a collective, we're in a collective moment where we need to get across the line somehow. And this has been a shit week, but we're not, mm. as you said, Mino, we're not going to do it by like resoundingly booing them every, you know, whenever we get the opportunity or whenever something shit. I mean, it's interesting we talk about Winks. We were talking about Sanchez earlier on. These are players who had kind of bounces early on under Conte and both of them have probably kind of gone back to the level they were beforehand. And, you know, Sanchez looks worried to put his foot on the ball. You know, I think, you know, Ram, you were talking before we came on air about how he was letting the ball go past him before he was touching it and what have you. And I'm sure that a lot of that will be, you know, if you don't want the ball because you're worried about the reaction of the fans, you're not much use on a football pitch. And that's the that's the situation mm. that we're creating. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And this is where I yeah, think, you know, yeah. easy to support a team yeah. that's doing well. It's, you know, it's really hard to kind of hold your yeah. nerve and hold your steel when 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 they actually need you. Well, look at I mean, look at our lovely neighbours down the road. You know, when when everything was rosy for them and they were the um, invincibles and they were winning league titles and FA Cups and getting to Champions League finals, their fan base was you know was all, all about that life. But things when things started drying up and the performances weren't there, well, a lot of them just don't, didn't turn up. Um, but it seems like there's something in the water in North London because it feels like when I, even when I watch on TV, I feel like, you know, where there's a lot of booing that occurs in North London more so than when I've, you know, watched games where like a team will be three nil down at half time. And, you know, when, when was the last time, and not that they've been three nil down recently, but when was the last time a Liverpool fans booed? booed their team you know when was the last time when was the last time Wolves fans booed their team you know and things like that and I just I don't know I don't know maybe I'm looking at it in negative Spurs tinted glasses in that maybe giving our fans more of a hard time because I'm there and I you know and I see I I, I hear the little murmurings of discontent more you know but and what you get is oh we've got the highest season ticket prices in Europe we we, you know we we deserve more all this kind of stuff is I don't know. Maybe we all ought to have to go and do a season support in Grimsby <laughs> or something, and then come, you know, then come back and get a bit of perspective. On things. I think I think that's what it is. I think it is perspective sometimes because yeah. obviously our expectations have been risen for what happened like you know four or five years ago, mm. but we still have to have a dose of realism as well. I think, but I don't think people can just people just can't tolerate not being you know challenging or the best. I think there's a lot of misdirected anger and frustration as well. And uh, look, this is not anything we're going to get into here. I understand that. But I do think there's a lot of misdirected anger um, towards the, it's it's put mm. to the players, but it's actually about the, the, the stewardship and ownership of the club. And of course, again, this is a topic that is uh, we won't discuss it today and is when we'll have to discuss in the future. Uh, but, you know, for the first time today, I actually heard the supporters vent, you know, in the stands, we want Levy out, but, you know, whatever about that. We Again, to be discussed at some point but i think fine yeah the players are taking the brunt of a lot of frustration and there's a lot of people who don't actually fully understand how lucky we were with pochettino you know i I don't think i don't i really do think a lot of our fan base don't understand what an absolute you know that was like you know when when sliding windows line up and something dives through them and there's three it was such a moment in time i mean it was it was incredible but I mean, you know, these are the same people who said, well, sack him. And I don't want to bring it, I don't want to make it about that. I mean, again, I'm talking about reality. The reality is 
this club has been in this situation a lot for a lot longer over the last 40 years than it hasn't. <laughs> and we got very spoiled very quickly. <laughs> very quickly. You know, what you know, Conte has been saying time and time again, this goes, yep. you know, right the way back to, you see, you know, when he first joined, yeah. he said, this is a bit, you know, it's a big job here. This yeah, is not going to be done in one transfer window. It's not going to be, you know, this is going to take a while. This is going to take time. And, you know, he, he's been consistent on that. You know, we said before about, you know, he, he he's a... Um, you know, he plays a straight back to things. He doesn't doesn't mince his words. I think, you know, generally speaking, you know, he's always telling the truth, and you know, in, in you know, with his comments and what have you, he's been straight. About I was just going to say that's because, like I said, he is managing. He's feeling those expectations from those fans, and he's responding to that all the time. But it's almost like self destructive. It's almost we're being unrealistic with our expectations, and that, and if we continue that way, it will almost kill him off because of that. Because he will just think, I need time, but it just always feels like you're not giving me time, yeah. kind of thing. And it will make him edgy, make him whatever, and you know, it could just uh, accumulate and accumulate, and then it, you know, all hell breaks loose. <laughs> but it's not real anyway. And I think also new <laughs> players coming into that atmosphere, into that atmosphere, into the club in that, that atmosphere, mm. it's not a, a, a situation where you can thrive. You know, if you look at the players that we we allowed to leave in January on loan or on you know being sold. Um, you know, Lacelso and Ndombele, you know, were highly sought after when we signed them. They're, you know, technically good players. They came off the back of good seasons. Mm. And then they came into a club that was in chaos, you know, and we went through kind of four managers in two years. Yeah. And no one, you know, no one can, can thrive in a situation like that. No one. And we've, we, you know, we've got to be really careful yeah. because we've got, you know, we've got one of the top five managers in the but, world right yeah, now. I agree. And we need to make sure that we've got a stable situation in order that people can come into the club because we need new players to come mm. in, but we need to create an environment where they can come in and they, they can They all thrive. do well when they leave us, don't they? I mean, actually, to that point, Ndombele had, a, I believe, an assist uh, uh, this weekend for for, yeah, for Leon, and I believe that... has been um, playing well for Yeah, I mean, you know, and uh, Walker-Peters yeah. has now become a goal machine for Southampton. They all do well when they leave us. It is, it is yeah. interesting, and you're, ab- yeah. you're absolutely right, Milo. It is... Trippier, yeah, tri- yeah. Trippier. Good, who would have thought? I mean, you know, but as you said, Milo, it does come down to the fact that you know good players are coming to bad situations, and you're right. We we, we have to recognise that this is not a quick fix. On top of like the things with Conte, the other thing is that is tricky for him is he's saying the same things and keeps repeating the same things. But because English isn't his first language, some of it actually comes across as quite negative or yeah. quite defeatist or fatalist. And the players, and I don't think he means yeah. it in that way. I think he's tempering our expectations. But to say, oh, you know, we're just nowhere near Chelsea. We're nowhere near. And, and the players might absorb that. In a, It's not necessarily a good thing that's going to push us yeah. all in the same direction. And I don't think he means that he's as you say Milo he's being honest most of the time he's being truthful and honest but he might be a bit more articulate sometimes yeah maybe the players are thinking oh he, he thinks I'm not good enough you know and I mean, he's, I mean to be fair he's probably right but <laughs> right now, but um but yeah you know there, yeah. there is this thing where I, I there's there is a part of me and I'm not you know with Conte I'm thinking now in in some of his presses maybe just he almost needs to be a bit vanilla for a little mm-hmm. while you know, Quite and just yeah, 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 and just let and just kind of let's let's work on certain things in the background um, because I think I don't I I think you're absolutely right. I don't think he's doing it on purpose. I don't think he's being deliberately volatile. But it's kind of at the end of these games now where we're, we're, I'm waiting for the pressure going. Oh, he's gonna 
this is yeah, you know, he's going to go. Yeah, we're not we're not good enough, but in in not so many words anyway. On a on a completely or semi related tenuous note, uh, did did everyone anyone notice his cap? Today is it or his hat? Because it's raining. I did notice. And, and, yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah. and this was, I believe, was a direct. Yes, but I mean, uh, no, no. But I think it was as a direct reaction to a photo that came out after the Southampton. I think it is with his with his. Mm. And you saw that the old. It, did you see all the? You know his his. Shall we say his former look was revealed with all the wet yeah. hair? Yeah. So I just want. Yeah, yeah. I just want the game is about glory. Has noted. Your uh, your your sus there, Antonio, and 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 well done, well done on protecting that barnet because you knew it was going to be a stinker. Oh, you know, it's not real from a hair perspective. <laughs> it isn't hair, real. Literally, that's, literally. That's the tip. none of this is real. You're right. You're right. But I do wish. I do wish that they, the coders would find you know fresh code or right fresh code. <laughs> we need a patch. You think the software needs a patch? Do you? I think An it. I yes, I think an update would be good from the days of Steve Jobs first inventing Apple and God knows what. I think we could do with a little bump up or from DOS, right? Would that be the right phrase? We could we need a patch to upgrade this MS DOS, yeah, or uh, because it's a bit like MS Dross right now, isn't it? Anyway, oh. uh, before I before I trip myself up uh, in, in you know in areas that I really don't know much about anymore, let's close this. Out. I mean, you know, we could talk about Kane and Son misfiring today. We saw that. We've discussed the fact that we are creating chances and are just not really putting the ball away I mean look we, we, what did we think of Wolves I mean can I be honest I don't really care or, or be it they're now suddenly competing with us uh, you know for the for the trip over the line into the top four and actually look a more cohesive unit than either ourselves or Manchester United um, does anyone want to uh, chip in on Wolves I was I was just going to say considering it's their first season for their manager as it's well I think it's done a very good job they look like mm. they bought they bought mm. into his ways, you know. They're fighting for him. They, you know, good stuff from them. I you think. know, he's the man that revived Tarapt's career, don't you? Yes, I know. You've I mentioned this before. Yeah, yeah. yeah. mentioned this uh, before. Yeah. yeah. So, so then we've come to closing thoughts. One positive and one negative. Uh, in thirty seconds, I'm going to start. Uh, Ricky. Oh, positive. Um, uh, Benton Kerr, I think he looks a player for someone that's 24. He looks good. He looks like he's got. He looks like an older player. He's got, you know, he's got a good swagger about him. He's a bit like Romero, I think. Plays with his head up, surveys the game. Future cult hero, yeah, isn't yeah. He? Um, and negative hero, yeah. is just um, what, uh, negative. He's struggling just, for a um, negative. That, a what a, week, that's a positive really. in itself. <laughs> struggling to articulate a negative, Ricky. That's the sort of I, I was, positive no, I had so many attitude. negatives. I was, I was, I was. <laughs> No, no, no! Forget that. I was that. flicking I like through the. First the ro- bit. <laughs> no, I was flicking through the rolodex of negatives in my head, and then um, came out with the whole. You're week, using a so rolodex. Yeah. You need a bloody patch, mate. You can oh, right. get using. <laughs> <laughs> Goodly. So Ricky old, from Ricky's rolodex <laughs> ram from Ricky's rolodex. Let's go, Ricky. Ricky's rip roaring rolodex. Uh, to you, mate. One positive, one negative. Oh, from Ricky's rip roaring rolodex so, to ram. One positive, one negative. <laughs> So I'll go with the negative first. I think, um, again, with, throughout the week, lack of leadership on the pitch when the going gets tough. Uh, I think we're really missing that. Um, positive, I'm going to say uh, Benton Kerr as well. I, th- I thought he looked the part again today. And I think, um, you know, if he if he's going on the trajectory he is, I feel, I, I feel like he's almost going to be like a midfield Berbatov. 
you know, just really swagger, but, but looks wow. lazy, but just is full of a swagger. Mid- great, great touch. Um, and then hard. we'll end up going to Manchester in a couple of seasons. Goodness yeah. gracious. That is, that's <laughs> almost, you've already, you've got a patch going on in your vision, I see. That's quite a leap. That is blimey. Milo, what about that? <laughs> Top that for one positive, one negative. So my my negative is that that's three premiership defeats on the trot, and we've only got Man City next. Oh. <laughs> we are their bogey club. And my my positive is that Kurt Zuma injured himself in the warm up for West Ham today. So that's what did he do to himself? Yeah. Did he though? In, in reality, well, I don't know. In reality, <laughs> outside of the simulation, he might not be a cunt. So you know, it's difficult to tell, isn't it? It's... You you. I mean, well, my positive is. This is not real. It doesn't fucking matter. It's not. It's not. That's my positive. It's not real. It's not really happening. So that's great. I feel better already. And you know, and I believe that the the two seven year olds controlling everything will soon be bored of you know this negative Tottenham, and they're going to make it super positive. And so we're going to end up. It would explain why we beat Leicester three two the way we did. The seven year olds got excited with their controllers. I'm like, oh, let's make this happen. Well, I, I pray to them. Please, please get excited against Man City. <laughs> You think at the moment they're going to get bored, turn it off and go out into the garden and pull the wings off Daddy Longlegs or something? <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah, I mean, I just... Uh, no, I'm hopeful that they will... No, I'm, my positive is that, you know, they will at some point bring everything together for us and that we might still end up tripping over the line <laughs> into the top four because, miraculously, it is still somewhat within our grasp thanks to the games in hand. But, of course, if we can't win them, it won't mean anything. Oh, um, and And... And the the negative for me would be, and this is sort of, I'm going back to lemons and auras. I sense an anxiety and nervousness and uh, about the team that is worrying to me because that's something that needs to fix mm. itself very quickly. And I am yeah. as ever going to hope that my Lord and Saviour, Eric Dyer, is going to be the answer to that. And, you know, his vice, Lord and Saviour, Oliver Skip, who, as we've discussed in the past, seems to be entirely expressionless and emotionless, but what a player. Um, so maybe he's impervious to this uh, to this emotional rut. Um, but, I mean, we need someone to lift this side. And I, I, I am concerned that the longer we go without an Eric Dyer on the pitch, the harder it's going to get. Because Harry is a fantastic yeah. player. We all know this. He ain't going to be the guy who's going to lift us out of this. Mm. He's just not. He's missing chances as well. So yeah. anyway, ah, that being said, we should now, as Milo pointed out, look at the Manchester City game. Don't worry, boys. We've only got City next, it says here. Um, okay, let's spend just, let's spend really quickly, if you can do it really quickly. You know, who would you pick to play against Man City? And let me throw the second part of that. Being that we are their bogey team, are you confident? And, you know, I would like I would like predictions as to whether we're going to do the double over them this season because, of course, we have the opportunity. So step up, step up. Who wants to take that on? Yeah, go on. I'll take it. Um, I think we should play the team that we played uh, uh, against Southampton. However, I take out, I drop Lucas and uh, have a three-man midfield of Benton Kerr, Winks and Hoybier. Um, if, if that, if Dyer and uh, Skip are still out. Um, so that would be my formation. I think as long as I've got Adele playing on the day, a bit Skyfall will be fine. 
Um, but I'm genuinely not confident at all. I, I think I'm hoping that the bogey team vibes do come through, but I really, I really don't see where we're getting a win here. I think if we do win, it will be a bit of a barnstormer. It'll be like a three-two or a four-three or something like that. But I think if we lose, I've got a horrible feeling it's gonna. It might be a heavy loss, like a four-nil. Um, let's hope Dyer's back because, as you say, Steph, we definitely need him in that back line. I'll probably agree with Ram there. Go to three-five-two, and hopefully, I'd like Skip to be fit if he's fit because I think he 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 sees things and can intercept rather than just chasing around after things. He's quite good at that as well. But I fear, I mean, it is City, so it's a different type of game altogether to a lot of other games. I mean, they will give us chances on the counter-attack. But I just feel with you, Steph, I'm a bit worried about things. I think we're reverting to type a lot. And whether that's players that have improved and now reverting to type. And also, those things Conte have probably taught us on the um, uh, training field don't seem to be appearing as much, I don't think. Like those first, you know, those first two months, you start thinking, oh, I noticed that. I've noticed that's a change. That's a change. Mm-hmm. And that seems like we're just back to kind of where we are, which is, can the forwards get us out of trouble? Let's hope so. Okay. Mm-hmm. At least we've got a clear week before yeah. the game. So he's got a full week to work uh, for this. Uh, I think Dyer being back is absolutely crucial. I think we've got fuck all chance without him. So I think realistically it's going to be um five four one for most of the game and um playing on the counter. So I think obviously you're going to be starting Royale because he's a better defender than Doherty and you know um apart from midweek and uh, and Reggie will be back hopefully. I I think I'd agree in attack. I'd be looking up front too. I think Sun and Kane. Um, I think Mora's been pretty poor, so I think he's back to the bench and use him as an impact sub. Um, and I agree with um, Ram about you know selection in midfield unless Skip's available, in which case um, I would be bringing him in for Winks probably. So Benton Kerr, Hoybier, uh, and, mm. and Skip, I think. Um, and yeah, I just des- desperately hope Dyer's back because I think that's our only chance of getting something out of the game. Uh, without him, yeah, I, I think our ass is, we're going to get our asses handed to us. I was about to <laughs> accuse you of. Uh, Dodging the prediction, but um, seeing shit and asses from you this week, I see it's uh, we're shit and uh, we're going to get our asses kicked. So, <laughs> uh, well, I agree with you on team selection. You've nailed exactly what what I think. And I, having uh, so successfully predicted this week's game and cost you uh, sixty quid uh, <laughs> in the process, I believe, uh, <laughs> Ricky, with my exuberance. But of course, mean? you're not a fool. You wouldn't have come just yeah. You wouldn't have come just for that. You would have known that that was my usual optimistic hubris and the 40th anniversary roughly it's a selling you know, scandal in my book roughly to the day yeah 40th 40th anniversary of the 6-1 which of course we got nowhere close to but i am actually going to say that i do not believe we are going to lose four premiership games on the trot and i do believe that um manchester city will give us uh, a little bit more space to play because they're a football team who plays football and they're not necessarily going to be you know raging i i don't know i feel we can i feel we can get something from this game and i think we will and i would not be surprised if we did something incredibly weird and won it but that of course is because Mm. i am a hopeless optimist st jude romantic whatever you want to call it Uh, but it is it is the sort of thing we 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 will do I say, I mean, obviously, the most important selection for this is VAR in our favour. That's um, that's what we need against City. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. That's that. of course now. Now, of course, we're going to get tanked, and we're going to get a VAR against us, aren't we? I mean, they do. They are owed one on VAR. I have to say. I mean, they are. <laughs> but going back to the home crowd, home crowd thing, we've got four four away games now, yeah. so that keeps us away from the lane for a bit. So 
Yeah, it would be so. good to go back to the lane with some good vibes. So you know, maybe not this one, but you know, the games afterwards, get some results and actually get a bit of a feel-good feeling going into it, and hopefully people get off the players' backs. <laughs> there it is. What other podcast can take you into existential uh, arenas and conclude that we will come away from the the northern run with our title-winning credentials <laughs> screaming at the forefront? That's the kind of crazy optimism you can get from us i think we've been realistic as well in all seriousness i think we we note that this is a a critical point of the season and let's seriously let's just hope we can get out of it and once again i know that people don't enjoy being told they shouldn't boo because it's my right to boo i pay money yes we all pay money we all pay money to go to the games and we all pay money for you know food and drink or whatever but the bottom line is as you said milo no human in history has ever been uh, encouraged to greater things by having someone standing and yelling words like twat fuck you ass and other epithets at them repeatedly and you know your shit so let's cut that out and let's try and remember we do have a collective responsibility if we care to try and drag our football club over the line for fourth so there we have it Thank you, chaps. Cheers. Cheers, mate. Thanks, Good. Um, We will be back next week to discuss our uh, title-winning push against Manchester City. <laughs> we'll be back next week to discuss our game against Man City and some other Spurs-related stuff. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram, so give us a follow, say hello. Any opportunity you get to give us a review on your social media outlets, please do. Please leave glowing reviews, especially on iTunes um, and Spotify. Delete and Spotify. tell your friends that we're... I don't know if you're asking me to delete it from what I'm reading or if that's your if that's a protest. But either way, <laughs> I'll leave you to deal with that. No, no, it's good enough. Just and and, and uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a Neil Young fan as it goes. But anyway, um, as always, thanks for joining us, and we will see you next week.